1: Hello, survivalists. This is The Crux True Survival Stories. I'm your host, Casey McIntosh. I'm joined today by Julie Henningsen, and we have a special guest today. His name is Steve Rogers. He's gonna tell us a harrowing story of a river trip gone, gone wrong. So how are you doing today, Steve, Julie?
0: I'm doing very well.
2: Doing great, Casey. Good to be here. So I'll give you a little background on Steve. He and I met recently in Montana um, and had the opportunity to connect with Steve and hear a little about his uh, kayaking history and kind of a small world story. We know a number of people in common. Um, And so he shared with me the story that he's going to share with us today about events that happened quite a while back on the, the South Salmon
1: River in Idaho. I was just going to ask you, Steve, do you still kayak? I was wondering if you're still, if you still have whitewater in your veins or not. I
0: I do, (laughs) I really like to. Um, It's kind of one of those things where you you run out of friends where they might've gotten scared or they had a kid or whatever that might be. So it's dwindling, but yeah, I really do still like it.
1: Casey, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a boater, aren't you? Before having kids, I dabbled a little bit in whitewater kayaking, but Um, I was telling Julie on one of our last episodes that I went into a hole on Buffalo Rapids. Oh, sure. So I went on Buffalo Rapids and I had no experience and I was in an inflatable kayak and followed somebody I shouldn't have been following right into a giant sized hole that just thrashed me for Mm -hmm. a good while. And then it was like the first rapid of the river trip. So I had to just get back in the boat and keep going down. And that was not a very good introduction to Whitewater for me. No. Steve,
2: maybe you can just start by setting the scene. Tell us where you okay. were, what the plan was, what you were doing, who you were with. And uh, sure the big picture.
0: Heidi, um, sent over to Idaho. Originally we were going to do the West Bruno and then that dropped overnight, the flow. So then I was with. Some friends, three from Bozeman, it was Aaron Loftloft, Dave Schroeder, who used to do the outside Bozeman stuff, hand paddler, Barry Borer, and then Keith Burke lives in Glasgow, Montana. And so uh, we decided that we were going to hit the South Salmon instead just because it, it was flowing. And so then we altered course that night and I uh, went I found somebody in Riggins to run a shuttle for us, just some rando, and started off at the town of Yellow Pine, and that's where the East Fork of the South Fork goes in. And so then we ran quite a bit of the East Fork of the South Fork into the South Fork of the Salmon, and it was going to be a four day self support kayak trip. So all of our stuff's in our kayaks, and um. I made it to day three, basically. I had some issues before that, but it was on day three when everything really went south for me. And that's where there was good stuff before that, but that's where the real story starts.
1: What is it like to be in a boat with all of your gear for four days? Does it take some time to figure out how to fit it all in there?
0: It does. Uh, You know, it's like backpacking with a big rush. So yeah, your boat's a lot heavier it's moving a little more, it's more lethargic, um, but it's really cool because you're out there, there's nobody else around, the river's the only, that's it. And so it's pretty freeing that way.
1: How, does, how do you keep everything together so it's not just like flying around as you're rolling and doing different things in the boat?
0: If you rolled better than me, you wouldn't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, as long as you can get back up, I think it's fine.
0: <laughs> that's right. Oh, you have everything it's they're stuffed away in dry bags before in the front and the bow of the boat from your foot pegs and then back behind your seat then you have dry bags that fit back there um, so everything's really secured stuff doesn't really come out of it except anything that you might have in your open in the open cockpit area
2: and when you guys were on this trip it sounded like it was pretty big water where the was the river really cooking
0: it was um you know, and I'm a lot more comfortable in little creaky things, like steeper, less volume. Um, but yeah, it was at 5. Point, I think 5.3 on the gauge. Uh, that's in feet, and yeah, so that's pretty high water, and it was going up. Um, so yeah, it was pumping along pretty well.
1: Had you done this route before?
0: I never had. Hell, I didn't even know really where we were.
2: As will become evident as the story goes on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so all is well up until day three and sounds like uh, the the fecal matter hit the oscillator right around that time. Talk us through it. it.
0: (laughs) That it did. Um, You know, I'd had some issues before, but that like, all right, feeling pretty good on that day. And so there's a lot of white water. It's a big river at that time with that much water. Um, class four and class five and so, um, Barry Lofty and Schroeder had gone ahead, uh, they're better boaters than Keith and I. And so they kind of boat scouted Lofty, got flipped a little bit in a hole. So Keith and I pulled over and said, we, we definitely need to scout this, which was nice too, because a lot of that rapid, it was cliffed out at that flow. So you you couldn't portage, you had to run because there was no way to walk anything This section, we actually could have walked. So we got out to check it out and our buddies went and ran this. And so then they were down below thinking that we're probably going to be walking our boats down and Keith and I, we scouted it and it looked good enough. So he peeled out and I was probably 30 yards behind him, maybe. And then I just (laughs) saw him just getting chung, just boat up in the air and whatnot. And so it's too late. I'm out in the water now and there I go. And I lost track of him. Um, it was just, it was a fight then. Um, so, boy, I think I rolled a couple times in different holes and then went over. I remember going a really big rock down into this hole, which just, it's recirculating water. And that was holding me and I wasn't getting out of it. And so then I i pulled my skirt. I swam. And come to find out later on that's right i guess when i got released but maybe because my boat filled with water who knows but so now i was going down the rapid and in the meantime keith had i guess he'd rolled seven or eight times and he made it to shore and he was just beat just that tired but he made it and so then i was going down the rapid and it was pretty burly water remember holding on to my boat and i looked over because i was getting close to shore And then I saw Keith and his eyes, they look scared. And that's scary when you see your buddy looking scared at you.
2: So I'm curious, were you fearful before that point when you had to pull your skirt, get out of the boat, were you already pretty anxious about the situation you were in or did you still feel like, ah, I've done this before?
0: Oh, I've swung some hard things before. So... That rapid, I actually wasn't that concerned on. There were others earlier on that I was like, oh, man. But that one, we just was like, oh, cool. This doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Before you, knew. Um,
1: Before you were schooled.
0: Yeah. And so then, um, so our other buddies were up on shore. They just, they weren't even expecting us to be coming down in the water, let alone swimming it. And so then I went past them and just we talked about, they talked about this big, there's some big, big holes on that, like t- what we call terminal. It's like, boy, if you go in there, you might just, that might be the end of it. Never get out. And so one they talked about, I think that's what I probably ended up in and a big, big hole. Um, but I was swimming and then just got sunk underwater just forever just where your washing machine, where you don't know which way is up there. You have no control. And um, then I'd surface and then just get sucked down under again. And I remember one of the times I was under for so long, you can see bubbles. I had my eyes open, just seeing all this stuff going by. You could see light just as you're going in circles underneath water, just getting thrown around. And it was so long, was, I was needing to take a breath. I, I couldn't because I was underwater. Um, that was new. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been underwater that long where you're just you know, like, oh, man, I think I'm done.
1: Oh, that's terrible. You
0: know? Yeah. So um, sometimes I'd surface and then I had a full face helmet and I'd hold on to the front of it because ideally you want to get with your feet out in front of you. Uh, swimmer's position, just in case there's any logs, any, avoiding foot entrapments, all that. And I'd, I'd face forward, and then I couldn't even breathe just cause the the waves crashing into me. So then it's like, that's not working. And then it was really rare that I was up above to be able to catch a breath for a long time. And so then i just go backwards. At least I could breathe because I didn't have any control anyhow. Um, so that, I don't really know how long that lasted. I know I was underwater on and off for a really, really... Well, quite quite a few minutes. I probably went. Looking back on it, we weren't. Sh- I wasn't sure where what rapids. I think I got. I think I got nailed on Surprise Rapid, which makes sense. And then to another big burly one called Elk Rapids, which between the two of those, it's probably a third a good over a third mile between the two. You know, maybe a little bit longer. I'm not sure. Hell, I just swam. You know, um, so. I really, at one time, I was doing everything I could, but there wasn't much I could do. I was just getting whirled around. And so then I remember I was just exhausted, and I took a couple hits on my thighs from rocks. And that's where it was like I I paid attention again. And so I must have just been, I, I don't know if I passed. I have no idea, but that's the next thing I know is I've taken some hits. And so then looked up, um, so the river kind of mellowed out and looked down river for a ways, and there was a lot more white and a big log coming in from the side on the left side. It's like, boy, that's a, that's something that if, thankfully there was no log like that where I was swimming because that could have sucked, you know, I could have been stuck there. Um, But I saw that and um, I was like, I, that's going to be the end of me, I'm surprised i'm able to see that right now but one more i'm so exhausted i think that's gonna that's gonna be the end of me and that but there was an island of rocks on the right hand side so it was like all right let's that's my island i gotta get there and so i gave it all everything i had and made it to the far end of the island the downriver part of this island of rocks
2: and at so that point, were you like swimming, like freestyle swim strokes? Yes. Just kicking? Oh, yeah. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. At that point, it was like, if I don't make that, that's going to wear me out. I'm beat already. But that's going to wear me. Out. I've got to make it to that. And thankfully, I hadn't been an- enough that I did make it to it.
2: And I'm curious, uh, in those moments when you were thinking, um, this is it. I don't know if you remember what, is there anything else you can remember that was going through your mind? Did your life flash before you or did you have any deep insights or regrets or things that um, you can recall about the psychology of that experience?
0: I remember thinking, man, I'm just effed here. Um, I remember thinking that. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh my God, I see all these flashes." It was, was well, here I am. (laughs) I guess this one's got me. Um, I did remember one time thinking boy I, this is the time that you pray but in it was a whole thought process my mom would hate hearing this but it's like I'm not religious and so that would be pretty hypocritical of me now so I did have that thought but that's the only one I remember as that and just so I guess this is it.
1: It's really interesting because in moments like that, everything narrows to that very moment that you're experiencing and all of the things that are going around in the background completely stop. And it's like there are very few moments in life where you have that kind of clarity on exactly mm-hmm. exact moment.
0: Oh, yeah. I had that a couple of different. One time I was afraid I was going to get avalanche or I lost a ski off a of cornice and there's all these ravens circling up and I'm crawling back up to get to my ski. I was going don't be my day just don't be my day that's that's what I thought It's was like oh, I guess it's my day yeah
1: <laughs> that's your the day of your death is your day that
0: was my time
1: that would be like gone. the opposite of my day my day would be like I won the lottery like on the other <laughs> alternative side of that
0: <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way
1: <laughs> you're, like, you're like your day is doom and gloom <laughs>
0: I should say, don't be that day, but yeah, I yeah, call it my
1: day. The day of judgment.
0: Uh, here we go. Yep. Yeah.
1: You made
2: it to the island. Yeah. I made it
0: to my island. And from there, I immediately got out and I patted my head, which is I'm safe. No, oh, that's, are you okay? Safe? All that. Did that move. And there's not, nobody to do it to, but it's what you do. Um, so then I was downriver, so then I started working my way up the rocks to the most upriver point to see my buddies. And it was wild, too, because my mouth, I had such bad cotton mouth that my tongue was stuck to the top of my mouth. It was stuck there. Um, so, so weird. Uh, made up to the top of my island, and I was just out of sight from the river just a short period of time. Between rocks, um, and then got up to the top and just looked out, <laughs> I was like waiting. It's like, hell, I made it. This is pretty cool. I didn't think this was going to happen, and just waiting for my friends to come. And after, boy, it had to have been it had to have been a few minutes. It's hard to keep track of time. Um, I saw Barry come down, and I could you could see him from way in the. Distance, So it still took a long time to get to me. So it was like, it was a hell of a long swim. Um, and so I signaled I was good. And then he asked if I'd seen Schroeder, Dave Schroeder in hand paddler, And I was like, no. So it was like, that's the first time I was like, wow, I don't think I missed him when I was hiking my rocks. Uh, so he continued, he saw I was safe and he continued on to catch up with Schroeder. And then after a few more minutes here comes lofty down. And I, so same look as Barry's like, I can't believe, you know, big eyes. And, um, he pulled over to my rocks then and got some water from him. So then I could actually speak, loosen the tongue up. And so he got me, we figured out how to best get me to shore because still, you know, i was still out in there in the current. But it wasn't the big, scary, hard white water. So white water, but not not that tough. And so we could see a little trail that came down on the river, just a little bit down river from us. So we took off and he paddled and I'm holding on to the back of his boat, kicking. And we got me right where we needed to be. And so then like, all right, here's just gonna take my water. And there's a trail. <laughs> I'll see you down river. Like, Cause, cool.
2: Because you didn't know you had no idea where your boat was at this point, correct? No. Yeah. Okay.
0: Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Um yeah, and it wasn't it was not inside anywhere when I was able to get on the island, look around. Um
2: this was a brand new boat too, first time out.
0: Oh yeah. that that was a dumb thing. Just because I'd always paddled a dagger nomad and so then I got a hole in it. So then I had the it was a Jackson rocker, which is funny too, because a buddy gave me all these rocker stickers. So it was it had all these heavy metal stickers all over. <laughs> so I got the new boat, two bulbous. I just didn't I I like the main stability more. It was unfortunate it was a brand new boat that I took on the hard river like that. I on a self-support, yeah. So wasn't very good in that boat. <laughs> um so let's see, got up and that trail went up to a road so it was the first road that we'd seen that i on this trip day three and so i followed that down i think two or three miles to this this was a time before i think it was 2007 so we didn't have the smartphones so i didn't even have a phone and the flip phone was probably in the van so that's what i'm saying probably took about an hour or so you know two or three miles. and that's where there was lofty and Barry was there.
1: Okay. So you're effectively absolutely in the middle of nowhere at this point. Your friends are just like, peace out. Good luck. Hopefully we'll see you again. We're parting ways.
0: Yeah. 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 It's in the boat's gone. I'm just, I'm stranded out here, but there was a road. So that was cool. We got together. And then we're gonna look around on this road just in case. There was, oh yeah, there was tire tracks, which is real. That was awesome. And then I remember we were taking off, and then I saw Keith, who would hike. Poor Keith. So back to those guys. Dave thinks I'm dead. He's gone down river. He ran all that stuff. He had to have gone over the top of me when I was underwater. There's just, there's no way I missed him when I was hiking up my rocks, running all that stuff blind chasing me and he had to gone over because I was underwater a lot so he's down river not knowing that I'm alive here comes Keith who had a portage carrying his boat through those because he was not getting back into it and those guys took off trying to help me and so he was carrying his boat and when I saw him crossing the bridge it was wild because he just deflated did double take I was like no way <laughs> yeah and I wasn't even hurt I was in great shape. Cause um, thought you
2: were, they thought you were done for, they were so shocked to see you even alive at this point. They
0: were so shocked to see me. Yes. Yeah. And poor Keith, this was like two hours later. So he thought for sure, hiking his boat, his heavy boat, all that ways. And then he saw, oh. yeah, that was big. Yeah. So then we checked the road each way. I remember I was with Keith checking up and we found a little, like a, an old forest service cabin, but there was nobody been in there forever. It's pretty not nothing there. No phone, <laughs> nothing to help me. And so same with lofty and Barry. So then we came back and we met up and just figuring out what, what to do in our game plan. Now during all this, Dave's still gone. Now we've got a few hours of all this and poor Dave's still thinking I'm gone. He's chasing me. Um, So, Figure out that I'm feeling great. It's 90 degrees. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm in great shape. Um, I haven't had I didn't even have river booties on. I had these like river shoes that tied, so I had soles on my shoes even, you know, in my dry suit. So I think Barry had found my paddle somehow right by the bridge where we were meeting up. He just walked down to the river for some reason, killing time, and there was my paddle. Way miles down river. And here's the funny thing, too, because it in a marker on it has my phone number that says beer upon return. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how'd you get that? Something made me walk down the river. You owe me some beer.
1: <laughs> I was really thirsty. Yeah. He knew that you had that sticker on your paddle and he uh, just wanted to redeem some beer.
0: He's brought that paddle back to me a few times.
1: <laughs> Owed him a few beers.
0: I owe him a lot. Yeah. I was just wondering so, how
1: many times you would, you were going to have to shotgun a beer out of your booty when you um, met up with your friends later.
0: Oh. That's yes, the tradition?
1: That's the tradition that I it's know the of. the
0: tradition. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It so is. It's only one per swim, but that's oh, a good 12-pack swim. Yeah,
1: for sure. You might have to go to the hospital if you did all of those in a row.
0: Yeah. In a stinky booty.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of booty beer. Yeah. Right. Drink it out of your own booty, or is it somebody else's booty? Because that would be worse.
0: No, it's got to be out of your own.
1: <laughs> that makes it maybe a little
0: better, <laughs> I think. I feel
2: pretty
1: gross. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Let's see. We're there and figure out. If there's a road. Tire tracks on it. I'm looking pretty good. All these guys got to go too because Schroeder's downriver. I need to catch up with him. That's concerning too because it's a big wall. It's a hard river, and he's by himself. Very selfless to try to get me on that, by the way. So I had my dry suit. I had my paddle now. So we put I got, I know I got a, a headlamp, some sausage, water, and I think a knife from my friends. And I could Lofty was trying to give me his little Bibby, but it was like I'm good. I've got a dry suit. You know, it's 90. So anyhow, it only made sense that I w- figure out the road by myself. I'm, I don't have a boat. Who knows about this road? But I'm safe. We we talked through it, it made sense. So they continued on downriver. And I went up this dirt road, and there were some houses. Not even dilapidated cabins, but houses. But There was nobody at any of them. Of course, they all have the no trespassing signs everywhere, but i knock and no tire tracks. So continued on that for a ways until the tire tracks went down a hill and there were all these mailboxes. So I was like, well, I'm I'm not going to carry my knapsack. You know, I was like a hobo with all my stuff (laughs) in my dry suit on my paddle. But now I'm wearing my shorts and the shoes and not even wearing my shirt at the time. And so drop all that, put my shirt back on, to be presentable and walk down the trail and then saw one house that looked like uh, a window was open. It was curtains moving in there, found out later on. So it was like, oh, cool. So walked up to that house. And of course, that's the house that has the no trespassing sign. And then trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. So I, That's
1: a welcome sign if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. Most
0: most definitely. Yeah. The, so, the
1: last door you want to knock on.
0: The last one. <laughs> oh, yeah. you have all the stuff. I'm thinking of what is it? Pulp Fiction oh, with yeah. the red ball. <laughs> I've got all that going in my head, but it's where I, I should go because the tracks go here. So I knocked on the door and um, it took a couple minutes. And, of course, this guy answered wearing a towel. <laughs> it was like, hey, could I get a ride? And he just kind of looked at me. I said, uh, I had some issues on the river. And um, could I catch a ride, please, to, like, Vinegar Takeout? Or or I think, I can't think of the other spot where I can maybe catch a boat or to Riggins. Cause that was our plan was... If I wasn't at the vinegar takeout when they got there, I would meet up. We even meet up at the city park in Riggins, Idaho. And that's after the main Sam comes in there. And he just got, I didn't get why he's just looking at me funny, but he goes, all right, come on in. So I stood there cause I, I stunk too. Oh, because I, a lot of adrenaline and it was three out of four days, the same shirt. Um, so stood there in the entryway and he gave me some water and then loosened up a little bit when he figured out I I really was, I, he didn't need to shoot me or anything. And so then that progressed to ice tea. And I found out that the, the tracks, the tire tracks were he and another person who was there year round. So he was one of the few people in this whole area that was there year round. you um, get his supplies flown in through a, a mail plane that brings the mail and he could get supplies ordered that way and he was with one of his neighbors up up the road and so they were trying to break over this pass into the little town of warren which i guess is about 20 miles away and so that's how all that came to be and i saw the tire tracks and followed those and that's it's out you know i mean it's we got stuck there all night back about two thirty in the morning after digging out and we couldn't break through on the pass okay this episode is brought to you by reese's
2: peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate however it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the reese's because when you want something sweet you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So you realize in that moment that th- there's no way in or out by vehicle from where you are. You're sort of on an island.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that was the time I was like, oh, crap. Um, because I thought it would just I could maybe just catch a ride then. So I'm at the cabin. Jim Kelly's his name. And I, I introduced himself. And. So we figured out that it could maybe try to walk over the pass to the town of Warren. I wouldn't make it there that, that evening, but that was an option. Found out from there that from where I was, it's actually the first time a trail actually goes down to the water. And so I think it was like 12 miles or so, I could hike to Mackie Bar. And from there, try to get a jet boat, <laughs> bum ride on a jet boat um, to take me down. Um, and still, during this time, I was thinking possibly that my friends could get there that night. And I found out later on, they still had 10 or 12 miles on the South Salmon, a lot of stuff, and then a long way on the main Salmon to get to rig. So, um, so while I was figuring all that out with him, he was like, we could also... Let me call my neighbors and try to game plan this a little bit and see what we can come up with. And so it was awesome because we went from water to iced tea. Now we're drinking beer.
1: (laughs) That makes everything easier. It
0: makes everything easier. Well, I even got to take, I took a hot shower and I I had a shower beer. My life is great right now.
2: You're probably thinking, I don't need to get out of here. I'll just hold up for the rest of the season with you guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. That poor guy. (laughs) No, I was in the, I was in the mode of just keep going. Oh, just everything's working out so well. Let's just keep going. In the meantime, back to the river. All my buddies had, they a few miles later, three or four miles later, they caught up with Dave, and first thing he was asking is about me and he couldn't believe it because he this is hours hours had gone by and so they're up till him I was and he had meanwhile he pinned my boat it's a big boat a creek boat 80 gallons well that's a lot of water it's a lot of weight and so he had gotten that off and then they had found there was a ranch there that nobody was at but they got my (laughs) they put my boat up in the barn so we'll figure that out another time.
2: Yeah. And at so least it's accounted for. Yeah. So they stashed it in a location. To remember to go back to.
0: Yeah. Somewhere along the river here. <laughs> <laughs> and so then while they're going down, so everything's good in their world too. I'm safe. Um, they ran into another pretty burly rapid. So they got out scout. And there's another group up ahead. and We hadn't run into anybody during those three days. And they're watching them run there. I think there was two cats, two cat rafts and maybe a raft and then some kayakers. And one of them, one of the kayakers swam on that rapid. And so Barry ran up to him on a rock. He was like, Hey, do you want this bag? I had a throw bag of rope. And the guy looked up at him and said, Hey, I thought you were on the Bruno. <laughs> it was a guy that, um, one of their buddies, Kevin Billingsley from Missoula was on the gecko on the rock. And um, he was like, like, no, do you want it or not? And the guy dove in, made it to shore on his own. And so then my buddies ended up boating with them the rest of that afternoon, evening. And so then there was a local with that group from Riggins. Um His name was Doc Stahlberg. <laughs> Hope it's okay. I'm dropping all these names. I'm not talking. To you. I've seen Billingsley since. Ran into yeah. each other. It's like no way. That Can't okay. worry about it. Um,
2: yeah, there's right. no HIPAA <laughs> required in the podcast. Yeah.
0: no, I just got to call these guys like, hey. Um, <laughs> it's the best light, though. Everybody, they're all awesome. But that so that night, all my buddies got to sit around a fire. And, of course, rafters have a lot better than kayakers food-wise. So they got to eat steaks. They had beer and wine and camp. Good times around the fire that's when they found out how pretty much how screwed I was uh, because the local was like, there's nothing there. There's that little town of Warren and everything's blocked at this time of year still from snow because this was like, it was the second weekend in May. And so that was, they had a good night, <laughs> but they didn't know what, what was happening with me. Um, Cause during that time we'd seen a couple wolves on the river. We saw, uh, mountain lion the night or the afternoon and evening prior rattlesnake. You know, it was just like, oh, but anyhow, so that's what they had going on that evening. So it's all good there. And so back to me with the cabin. Um, in the meantime, while I was showering, he got a hold of, called a couple aviation companies. And the first one wanted not fly in because of the wind. He was like, oh, this other guy, he's old pilot or war vet. And so he's like, yeah, I'll be there tonight at seven or so. (laughs) You know, I had to tell him on the phone, like, cool, you know, but I'm good for it, but I don't have any money. (laughs) Thanks for this plane ride, but. Please uh, just trust uh,
1: me. Trust me.
0: (laughs) Right. Just please trust me. So we, uh, we had a few more beers and then went, picked up my paddle and then went out to the airstrip. And he showed up in this little, it's a teeny little plane, pilot and passenger seat, and then two seats back. And then my paddle was, it's like 194 centimeters. And that fit like the whole, from the tail on up to, you know, just a little teeny plane. And so I could have flown to McCall, which would have been shorter, but that's the wrong way. (laughs) Um, So... Hell, I still I didn't have any money. So I was like, yeah, let's go the other way. <laughs> doesn't
2: matter anyway. Just take <laughs> me to them.
0: That's right. Just take the scenic route. Yeah. So the airstrip that we're on is basically just a field that ends in a cliff that goes down the river. So flew off that. And then I could see up a few miles upriver. And just, it was white forever. So like, holy crap, that's everything I swam. Oh, well, That was an eye-opener. Wow. I knew it was a lot, but that was... That was pretty big. And so then we bumped around and then followed the river. Um, it going to take a little bit longer, like 45 minutes instead of 35, to this Whitebird airfield. But I was hoping to see my buddies, and we never did see their, their stuff. But um, pulled up this little, little strip called Whitebird. There's a little town there, 30 miles away from Riggins, Idaho still. And that's where, on that flight, where you could just, there was nothing forever. There were just mountains, mountains. And it's like, I'm so far back. You know, 35 miles or 35 minutes straight in a plane, that's a lot of area you're covering. Um, And we took the roundabout, the 45-minute route. But
2: It probably made you realize it was a good thing you didn't try to get out of there on foot or, or hike down the river to the McCall bar or whatever it was. You made
0: the right choice. Oh, yeah. 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 What a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. In the dark with the bears and wolves and. <laughs> yeah. that was Yeah. It could have been a lot different having to sleep in my dry suit in a snowbank. Uh-huh. So it worked out very well. Yeah. But that's when I did realize that too. I was like, wow, this is that far back. And so now everything's going well. Uh, we land, and I'm still 35 miles away from Riggins, or 30 miles, but hey, what a good day I'm having after I almost died, but it's really good now. Um, so then the pilot can't find a pen or anything to get my information, and then he looks up, and then there's a sheriff in a truck coming down the highway. He goes, hey, there's your ride. So he pulls him over, waves him over. He gets a pen from that guy. To get all my information down, the sheriff, I threw my stuff in the back of his vehicle, in, his, in the bed of his truck, and he gave me a ride to Riggins. So now, that I'm at the meetup spot that evening, wow. already. Yeah. So then, it was like, boy, this thing is, he asked, are you sure you're good? I was like, oh, most definitely. I didn't want to tell him I'm going to be sleeping here, maybe, because you're not supposed to sleep in the park. But I I was there. I made it. You got
1: all the green lights. Yeah. All the green. (laughs) You know what is so cool
2: about that is that like you made it from an almost impossible situation to this park in a town miles away, no access by vehicle. And it happened because of like the goodwill of all these people that you ran into. And not only goodwill of these folks, but also folks that have signs like, no trespassing, trespassers will be shot. It just shows you that people are, are good at the core and we look out for each other. And it's a nice progression of how that worked out for you.
0: Oh, Julie, I so agree. Without the great guy at the cabin, the neighbors that came up with getting a flight, the guy who picked me up without me having any money <laughs> to the sheriff on down. Yeah. and that they didn't even stop there. Because once I got to the park, it even oh it continued very fortunate uh, because then I hung out at the park for a while, but you gets boring too <laughs> um and so on my paddle, I didn't want my friends to show up and not me not be there this paddle I don't can't lose it apparently, and so in tape on it, I wrote I, I walked up main street because that's pretty much it's not a big town and found a cool looking bar saloon and um called the seven devils from mountain range in the area and so i went down and put on with tape on my paddle i'm at seven devils and left that at the table at the park and then went down over to the bar and it's kind of funny because i had my helmet i had my my dry suit bunched into my helmet i've still got stinky clothes on but not too bad now and then uh my PFD, my life jacket. So I'm carrying a helmet and a PFD basically, and got a table in the back at the bar and waitress came over and asked what I wanted. I was like, here's the thing. (laughs) I had some issues on the river and I caught a plane into here. Cop gave me a ride to the park, hoping my buddies would show up tonight, but probably tomorrow, you know, and I don't have any money, but I'd love if I could have a burger and a beer. And so after she just kind of thought about it for a second, she goes, "Oh, what kind of beer do you want?" It's like, "Yes." <laughs> so,
1: I bet that burger tasted so, so good.
0: Oh, uh, it, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. And that's
2: like, that's like small town Idaho for you, which would be the same as small town Montana—just people looking out for each other.
0: Oh, and I, she so looked out for me. It was so appreciated. Yeah. So I hung out there until the locals went away from the pool table, and then I bellied up to the bar. I hung out there with the owner, uh, the waitress, the cook, everybody, until it was time that they closed. All the chairs were up, I had to go then. And I'd even asked, I was like, hey, I will be back tomorrow to pay for all this. I was like, don't worry, this is my good deed for the day, but I was like, no, I was like, thank you. So yeah, it was so awesome, small town, out for the people, you know? So that was wonderful. So I. Got back to the park and by now it was was like 1230 at night and it was cold. It was cold and windy and the day was 90 when I was walking but it was cold and windy now. But there's the bathroom there. (laughs) It's a bathroom, it's got walls. So went in there and then figured out that I could, if I put on my dry suit and blew it up with air, it creates some insulation. So I tried to sleep like that but it's a gasket it's like a bicycle tire type of stuff, gasket around the throat. and you, There's no way I was going to be able to sleep like that. I tried, but you go, every time. Went outside for a while and that wasn't working and the wind came up, which was perfect because the sprinkler started right after I got back inside the bathroom. So it, everything just came together really well. The whole gig. Um, kind of long night in there, but hey, I'm in a bathroom and rigging, so that's pretty good. Um, the next, <laughs> all it's all relative It's all right? relative. Yep.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so you're the type attitude. of person that takes the right attitude about it too. It's all in the eyes of the beholder. So you had a, a great attitude about it.
0: Oh yeah. I, I, everything turned out so well. Yeah.
1: Especially um, after that river incident, you're like, well, anything is better than being on the bottom of a river somewhere
0: hmm I'm here and everything just keeps flowing that well so that was good um I remember the next morning and that day was cold it was overcast and windy but I didn't want to walk around town in a dry suit kind of dumb but I just didn't so I wandered up and down Main Street and the whole oh yeah here the whole time there's a stupid pocket on my dry suit that's not waterproof it made no sense it's for credit. <laughs> From now on, it's a credit card holder for me because that night, if I would have had a credit card in that dumb pocket, I could have been in a hotel. I even tried talking about my way in a hotel once and no, we can't. I get it. Now, I've got it. I have a credit card. Julia liked like this in my first aid kit. I've got it in my dry suit. <laughs> it's one
2: of the 10 essentials. It's the 11th <laughs> essential.
0: <laughs> I bummed, finally a bummed coffee. At the gas station she was cool and you know i said I, I promise i'll be back and pay did that and then wandered up to a cafe that we'd eaten at when we were going through at the far of town like my buddies would be coming in through and they would gave me a free coffee i was just trying to warm up and i was like i don't have any money and then later on she bought me lunch turns out she was the owner and she's like, hey, I can it's my prerogative. I own this place. If so I want to buy somebody a lunch, I can, which is awesome. And so she did. Uh so after that I went back down to the park and now it was sunny and beautiful day. So I was just laying there. I haven't got a little nap in. And then by the time yeah, later on, I took a nap. Then my buddies come rolling into town and they're bam. Barry yells out the window to me. And Met up with those. They could not believe that I was actually there. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Really.
2: So they're driving by and they just spot you out the car window and start yelling.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was in our meeting spot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They probably thought it was going to be days before they saw you as you're hiking the past to Warren and.
0: Oh, they did. Lost in the they wilderness. Did. Yep. Their whole their plan. They pulled over. We, hugs all around. They their whole plan was that if I wasn't there, that they were going to have to hire a plane to traverse the area until they found me. So that was nice that I was there.
2: <laughs> yeah. They already had their search and rescue approach figured out. It sounds like.
0: Oh, they totally did. And then that, um, the guy lived there in Riggins, you know, he was like, all right, we'll figure out anything I can do. Cause those guys showed up a little bit later on hugs all around again with them and anything I can do your boats that are, barn somewhere you know get it figured out so that was amazing again i went to cash machine and went up and paid all my dues everywhere <laughs> <laughs> gas station i had to wait till the bar opened to go in there and give them money too yeah and then later on i wrote thank yous to the to lady barb at the cafe i think it was called cattleman's cafe And then also Jim, because when I was at his place, I wrote down his address because I saw a piece of mail and I wrote that down. And so I wrote everything down right after when I got back, just so it was fresh in my mind. And so I printed that off and I sent it to him. Found out a few days later when I called the aviation service, Ray's Aviation out of Cascade, who picked me up, that... They had received a phone call from somebody at um, at the ranch at the barn. He found my kayak in his barn. And so then when I was talking to Ray, he was asking me the size and the weight. And so he was going to take a delivery. And anyhow, he just wanted to figure out what size of plane. So he flew in and took my boat back to Cascade, Idaho, for me to pick up. So it all... Yeah, that's when it was embarrassing again with all the rock stickers all over it too.
2: <laughs> when were you ultimately reunited with your boat? Was that months later?
0: Was later on? It was just a few weeks later. Oh, by the way, Ray didn't even charge me for going in and getting my boat. That's amazing. He just picked it up. That's so cool. Yeah, I paid him for my flight, but um, and it was over Memorial Day of that year. Uh, drove out and picked up my boat. So just a few weeks later. Had to go out and get that, and the final funny thing on that was uh, my girlfriend at the time and I coming back. It was dark in Idaho where we got a little cabin, and then got up the next day and the those road cleanup signs. This is dedicated to and it was Yahweh six 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 or whatever. <laughs> you got to be kidding me! Just get home. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That was like the yeah. adopt a highway organization. That was there. Yeah, Yahweh 666.
0: Uh
1: huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. All that worked out so well. Yeah.
1: Your story reminds me of a day that I had after I went to Bozeman to visit Julie, I was driving over this direction and my car, the check engine light came on and I'm just about to hit the hmm. pass and it's like springtime. And it was pretty cold still. And I did not have any warm gear in my car or anything. So if I got stranded up on Mm -hmm. Homestake Pass, I'd be in big trouble. Um, So I stopped at the gas station in Manhattan. And I'm on the phone with my husband trying to figure out what's going on. And it's clearly like something going on with the coolant. And I'm on the phone with Mm -hmm. Julie. What should I do? Should I just like try to figure things out? And then this guy just pulled up and was like, Hey, could I help you out? Turns out he's a mechanic. Okay. And he he just happened to stop in there to get gas. And he was like, Oh, I'll help you. So he gets out. A few minutes later, this other guy comes into the parking lot. He's wearing like his mechanic outfit. And he's like, Hey, here's the key to my shop in case you need any tools out of there. It turns out that I needed a hose, yep. the the coolant hose mm-hmm. had a hole in it, so it was just spraying everywhere. So the guy that originally stopped to help me went to Belgrade to pick up the part that, I, that he needed, came back, went to his friend's shop, got the piece that he needed to fix, fix it, came back to the gas station where I was and finished fixing my car in the parking lot at the gas station. And then he was like, just, I'm going to just stay on the highway with you for a little bit. Just wave when I get to my exit, just to let me know that your car isn't overheating and make sure you text me when you get home and. Um so anyway, it was the mm-hmm. same, it was the same kind of thing. It was not like luck and luck and luck and luck like you got yeah. it, but I was just like, What in the world? How did I get so fortunate to be just in the right place at the right time? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. most um, definitely, yeah,
1: yeah, we gotta
2: have some nice people out there. I bet most people would do that. I think we feel surprised at how um how much we look out for each other, but it is human
1: nature,
0: yeah. It is.
1: thank you so much for being on the crux survival stories we appreciate you being here yeah yeah thanks steve so thank one, you
0: both i was yeah. gonna
1: ask you one question about that swim i was just wondering if it changed your perspective on anything i guess two questions in one so first question did you ever go back and do that again
0: i have not i would love to it just hasn't worked out i want to do it at low water <laughs> But it's not worked out, yeah. you know, just timing wise. Right. I would like to do that and just check it out.
1: After going through that experience, did it change the way you lived your life at all? Or did you just brush it off as being like one really intense day with like a good ending?
0: You know what? It, it didn't change the way I live my life. It did. I got spooked one time after that. The next time, first time in my boat after that was big timber the first big timber race ever and you don't have time to think so that didn't matter there's good safety but after that went up to the yak in northwestern montana and it's cool i've done the run and getting into a canyon and I actually i got scared finally my buddy i was with and i would boated it with him before and it was fun but he's like i pulled over he's like let's look at that now he's like you mean the eddy like oh shit (laughs) i do mean the eddie yeah we yeah so we boat we hiked he was cool with all this we had to hike out of the yak rope our boats up this crap took forever and a lot of work so that was my it scared me Mm -hmm. and i never felt like that before um nor after actually you know, but it, oh you yeah, know, that was definitely because that was the first time I'd been in a canyon like that. And it scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, I'm good again. It, it makes you think.
1: Right. Cause how do you get out? If you swim in the canyon, then you really have to do a long swim. Cause there's no way of getting out of it. Right. Yeah.
0: No way of getting out. Yeah. That, that hit my head.
2: Sounds like it also helped though. Maybe a little exposure therapy. Got
1: you back on track.
0: Yes. As uh, a psychologist, mom's social worker. You no, know, I, get, I get this therapy stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all need to be smacked upside the back of the head once in a while.
0: <laughs> we do. I'm a firm believer.
1: Yeah. <sighs> it's like the universe telling you to behave. This is not your <laughs> day. Right. This is just a strong warning. It's a strong warning. It won't be my day. <laughs> get it together. <laughs> I'm just teasing.
2: <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, Steve, and sharing this incredible story. Before we wrap up, we'd like to ask your support in spreading the word about The Crux True Survival Stories. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to visit our Instagram page at The Crux Podcast. We encourage you to share our latest posts on your stories and help us reach more fellow survival enthusiasts and storytellers. If you haven't already, please consider leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback means a lot to us and helps us continue to bring you compelling stories of survival. If you have a survival story you'd like to share with us or topics that you'd like us to explore, feel free to write us at the at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for your support.